أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم بسم الله الذي لا يضر مع اسمه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء وهو السميع العليم بسم الله مجريه ومرساه إن ربي لغفور رحيم اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك وأكرم وأنعم وتفضل على سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا وشفيعنا مولانا محمد بصلاة لم يصلي بمثلها مخلوق صلاة تجل عن الصلوات تفوق صلاة المصلين عليه في الأرضين والسماوات ننفرد بها في الدنيا ونفوز بها بعد الممات صلاة تقربنا بها منك إليك تجعلنا بها يا ربنا من أقرب الأقربين إليك ومن أحب المحبوبين لديك يا رب العالمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي رب أوزعني أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصلح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين وصلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمين وآله وسلم تسليما كثيرا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين هدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين عمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين Now I'm sorry last week I couldn't make it and I had something private to do and the week before we were discussing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam choice of a place of building his mosque and staying in that place, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen, which is adjacent to the house of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, spent almost seven months staying in the same house where Abu Ayyub was staying, in the lower floor, and Abu Ayyub was in the second floor. And later on, he moved on into his own private home where the mosque today is, and where the main entrance of the mosque was is where the she camel that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said leave it for it is being commanded parked now in Mecca as far as the historian could tell us and as far as the people who wrote the seer the biography of Rasulullah sallam among the companions and their followers there was no comparison between the group of the Muslims and the Mushrikeen. Mecca was known as the place of shirk. Although, subhanAllah, Allah has built the Kaaba in Mecca as a place of unity. Unity spiritually to unite all the hearts of the human to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as they are from him and to him they will return one day. And unity in the physical format whereby they will come together to support one another. Not to despise one another, to help one another, not to quarrel with one another, to stand by one another and never to disperse from one another. And Mecca, subhanAllah, became the place of disputes, of fights, of arguments, of oppression, of evil, pure evil, whereby young girls were buried alive at the age of eight and nine and ten for no fault of their own, just because they are girls. Women were oppressed and abused. Human beings were sold in the markets as slaves. And the rich and the noble has no any sympathy in their heart or mercy towards anybody who will deny them that right. 
Mecca, whereby Allah wanted the Kaaba to be the direction for every human being physically, whereby they can connect with him spiritually, became a place whereby 360 idols were brought from all over the place where people come to worship them. And therefore, there is no power but the shirk power. Those who worship the idols have the power. Nobody can do anything with them and nobody can stand by them. Comparing that with the Muslims who embraced Islam initially before the Prophet made the Hijrah, there is no comparison. For those who embraced Islam, they were the most weakest among the society. The slaves, the poor, the destitute, and the widows and the orphans. As Rasulullah was for them. As Rasulullah used to pray to be amongst them. As Rasulullah used to feel sympathy and mercy for them. And therefore, those who entered Islam, they entered it by choice. They entered it by love. They entered it because they wanted it. And they knew it is going to make their life difficult. And they knew they could die in the process. And many of them were abused. Many of them were driven out of the land. First to Abyssinia, second to Abyssinia, again next time to Medina. Many left, went other places. And it was sad. And many of them didn't mind losing their life just out of love to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or for the faith that they have embraced, embraced. And so when you compare between the Muslims and the mushriks, there's no comparison. So there is just only one power and people who were oppressed, who were looking and searching for their freedom, for a way out, for the truth, and they found it in the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, recited by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the Holy Quran. However, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to Medina, Allah reminded him about this stage of his life when he was in Mecca, because Medina was different. Allah said, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وَذْكُرُوا إِذْ أَنْتُمْ قَلِيلٌ مُصْضَعَفُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ تَخَافُونَ أَنْ يَتَخَطَّفَكُمُ النَّاسِ Surah Al-Anfal And remember, O Muhammad Sallallahu And remind those who are around you who came as migrants from Mecca, the Muhajirun, when you were few in number, oppressed by those who were unhappy with what you have brought to them among the mushrikeen. You were the most, in fact, oppressed, denied your right of freedom in the world at that time. Those people with Muhammad sallallahu Frightened that you will be destroyed by those mushriks around you. So this is a reminder from Allah in Surah Al-Anfal to Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu and his companions to think of the past. Because in Mecca, there was nothing. But once he built the relationship with the Aws and Khazraj companion who came to him and they built Islam and he went to Medina, people were coming in their droves. In Medina, the Aws and the Khazraj, as I said, were fighting one another. And subhanallah, there was one day, five years before the Prophet ﷺ came to them, come your Bu'ath, 
Yawm Bu'ath, whereby they were fighting one another from the break of dawn to the late hours of the night, destroying one another. In fact, the two tribes were almost destroyed. Each one of them stared, they were relaxed, the other one is celebrating. By the time the celebration is about to finish, this one will put themselves together and go and fight them again, they will destroy it, and so on. And they said, that was the situation. They made a deal among themselves that they will come together this time as two tribes and they will be led by one man and that man can be put in a position of being their king. And they chose him, Abdullah ibn Abi Salouli. And they were preparing for him, his crown. They were putting together whatever they can find from the pearls and the jewels to make a beautiful crown so that he can be crowned to be the king of the Arabs of Medina. Because the three tribes of the Jews we talked about, they were there and they were powerful. But once those two tribes started working together, they were having the upper hand. But by the coming of Islam, and especially touching the two tribes, Aus and Al-Khazraj, many of their people found in Islam that which were they were looking for for many years before, and that which was fulfilling them, what Abdullah ibn Abi Salol could offer them, is nothing. So they were driven towards him. Even Abdullah ibn Abi Salol, although he felt in his heart that this new man coming to Medina from Mecca, Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib, is stealing his moment of triumph, becoming the king of the Arabs of Medina, almost being crowned, he was so angry, full of hatred, and والسلام, a rage in his heart against him. However, reluctantly, seeing all his people leaving him and going to Muhammad وسلم, he embraced Islam. And subhanallah, that became the beginning of something new around Rasulullah Because at this time, there is a new power in Arabia. That is challenging to that which was in Arabia already, which is shirk and the mushrikun of Mecca, who were powerful. Nobody could fight them. Nobody could do anything for them. And they were controlling the roots of business from south to north. And subhanallah, now they are a new power of the Muslims in Medina. They were great in number. Many of them are well-educated. Rasulullah began to set up the state properly and all the areas that need to be taken care of, he did, and people were beginning to feel that freedom they were looking for. The strength was there, for they were eager to establish the truth. And many of them want to take this truth back to Mecca because they feel that was their home. So there are two powers now. Once there are two powers, something new arrived in the scene. And that new thing is nifaq, hypocrisy. And that's what I'm going to talk about today in the seerah of Rasulullah Sallam. The appearance of the new disease among those who embraced Islam in Medina from the companions of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whom were called in the Quran Al-Munafiqoon. And there's a surah in the Quran named after them. And in fact the Quran speaks a lot about them. There is no surah in the Quran, only you will find the mention of them. And Rasulullah was there to witness this. 
and to see the difficulties that some of his companions were going through. Okay? Now, these people who were called al-munafiqun or the hypocrites, they were people who were frightened and worried like Abdullah ibn Abi Salol, himself he became a leader. They were not people who were many. They were not people from the awam or the general public, mainly from the leaders or the un, yeah, unknown rich perhaps people outside Medina, but in Medina were having a power and a position among the people of Medina who were not happy with what have come because they are not involved in it. They can't just suddenly buy a place with Rasulullah They can't buy a vote to be in the council of Shura or to be running any affair of Rasulullah unless Allah asks Rasulullah to ask them to do it. So they were unhappy about it. And they were there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained to Rasulullah these people were moving from one side to another only to benefit themselves. When it suits them. They have nothing in their hearts towards Rasulullah that will benefit him or the believers, the companions, but only for themselves. Allah described this in the Quran clearly to show that Nifaq started in Medina and the people who were called the Munafiqun mainly in Medina. Allah said, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وممن حولكم من الأعراب منافقون ومن أهل المدينة مردوا على النفاق سورة التوبة And from those who are around you, O Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم Among the nomads of the Arabs who come from outside Medina to settle in Medina And those of Medina itself from the Aus and the Khazraj Those who have chosen the path of hypocrisy That is their only choice, nothing else what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy or nifaq in Arabic is a disease Allah describes in the Quran. A disease that will touch the heart of the human being to make him act as if he has two hearts. However, Allah said in the Quran, Allah never given a human being two hearts in his chest. Whether physical or spiritual. You only have one. <laughs> However, the munafiq is the one who conceal that which is different to what he present. Apparent. Whatever is said, whatever is seen to be done by the person, is not like when he's out of the group, or hidden from the group, or within his four walls. That person has two faces. We call him Dhulwachain. Dhulwachain, the one with two faces. A face within and a face out. A face private and a face public. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Ayatul Munafiq Thalath. The sign of a hypocrite are three. And another hadith said, the sign of the hypocrites are four. In the first hadith, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثلاثا من كنا فيه كان منافقا خالصا ومن كانت فيهن خصلة من النفاق 
قصة من النفاق أوكي كان فيه خصلة من النفاق أوكي ومن كانت فيه خصلة من هنا كانت فيه خصلة من النفاق whosoever have three qualities he is a total munafiq and whosoever have one of them he has a quality of nifaq within him now إذا حدث كذبة when he speaks he lies so lying the sign of hypocrisy المنافق كذاب the hypocrite is a liar number two إذا وعد أخلف when he promises he breaks his promise the hypocrite never keep a promise okay إذا حدث كذبة وإذا وعد أخلف وإذا أتمن خان and when he is trusted he breaks his trust a munafiq a hypocrite can never be trusted and listen to what Allah said in the Quran about them too many signs that you could see beside this and I will recite them in a minute but this is what the Prophet says the three things to teach us ثلاثن من كنا فيه كان منافقا خالصا ومن كانت فيه إحداهن كانت فيه خصلة من النفاق and whosoever have one of them he has a sign of hypocrisy lying breaking promises and not to be trusted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa about the one who cannot be trusted, he had no faith. La imana liman la amanata lahu. The one who cannot be trusted surely has no iman in their heart. This is something that is serious. If every one of us want to protect yourself from this disease, be serious about this three things. In the other hadith, he added an extra one. Okay? إذا حدث كذبة وإذا وعد أخلف وإذا تمن خان وإذا عاهد قدرا okay and when he makes agreement he will stab you in your back he will never keep an agreement he will shake your hand he will embrace you he will sign an agreement with you but behind you he is doing everything Again, it's what he have agreed to do. That is a hypocrite. Okay? This is a dangerous thing. Every one of us should fight it by all means because you don't want to be seen to be among them. And I'll explain at the end why. It's dangerous. The worst people who were around the Prophet are the hypocrites, the munafiqun. Okay? Allah said in the Quran, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ومن الناس من يعبد الله على حرف فإن أصابه خير اطمأن به وإن أصابته فتنة قلب على وجهه خسر الدنيا والآخرة ذلك هو الخسران المبين سورة الحج الله سبحانه وتعالى says and from mankind there are those who worship Allah for only what they need they don't worship Allah because they want to worship him when they are in difficulty when they are in trouble, when they are in need, where is Allah? They are there. But once their need is fulfilled, who is Allah? They are asking, questioning. Today, we live in a world, you see this a lot. 
people are absolutely pious. 24 hours a day, doing their best before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But once that which they are crying for is fulfilled, as if no one has fulfilled anything for them. Allah said in the Quran, وَلَا تَكُنُوا كَالَّذِينَ نَصُوا اللَّهَ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنفُسَهُمْ أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Do not be like those people who neglected Allah. Then Allah made them to neglect themselves. Indeed, those are the ones who transgress openly, without shame. Openly, without shame. And suddenly, when the need is arriving, they turn to the position where they think they can get something. Who are they cheating? Not Allah, but they are cheating themselves. Allah said, This one, when goodness comes their way, they're fine. They will not lift an eyebrow to do that which Allah has commanded them to do. When he is being tested, he will turn. He will lose this world and it is benefit, and the hereafter. He will be a loser too. And indeed, this is the greatest of loss for anyone to be a loser here and a loser in the hereafter because the greatest of victory for a believer is to be a winner here and a winner in the hereafter. jannatan. And to the one who will fear the status and the position of his Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will have two gardens. A garden in this world and a garden in the hereafter. And in Surah An-Nisa, Allah says, مذبذبين بين ذلك لا إله أولئي ولا إله أولئي Those hypocrites, you see them moving from one side to another. They are neither with the Prophet from their heart, supporting him fully, and being true believers, standing by the teaching and doing what Allah commanded, nor they are with the Mushrikeen of Mecca. When the need comes and the Meccan can do something, they are with Mecca. When they find the Prophet is good for them to be with him, they are with the Prophet. They are the one who will come and stand and talk to him as if they love him. And when they go outside, they will ask themselves, what was he talking about? What was he talking about? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were the mercy to the world. He dealt with them in the best way possible. And I will explain. Okay? As I said, their leader in Medina, okay, was Abdullah ibn Abi Salul because he was supposed to be the leader of Al-Awswal Khazraj as a king agreed before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to Medina. But because they left him and they went to Rasulullah sallam, his hatred for him his anger in his heart made him become the biggest enemy for the Prophet, but yet he embraced Islam. He sits with him. He will embrace him, shake his hand, show utmost respect in front of his face, but behind him, he was the most evilest of men who plotted and planned to destroy him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Remembering that all the battles that has taken place None of them, the Prophet ﷺ, took his sword out to go and destroy anybody. 
For Allah commanded him in the Quran, like Rahafiddin, no compulsion in religion. Don't you ever hear anybody to try to convince you that Islam is spread by the sword? Or Rasulullah went out of his way to force people to become Muslims. Never. People embraced Islam because of the beauty of Islam, because of the guidance of Allah to them, because of the best example Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, has given and those who are around him. All the battle that took place in the life of Rasulullah while he's in Medina, they came to him. And who was supporting them and helping them? The hypocrites. Who came? The mushrikeen of Mecca. In Badr, in Uhud, and all the other battles that took place until Rasulullah came to Mecca at the conquest of Mecca and entered without one drop of blood was shed. Not, not one drop. And he entered Mecca normally because he is not here to destroy. He is here, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, to build. He is here to enlighten. He is here to remove the evil and the oppression to unite the people, to make them realize the beauty of God within themselves. Forget about looking anywhere else. <laughs> and within yourself, can't you see Allah said in the Quran? He was trying to show them that. And he had conquered the heart of those people who have found him to be the one to guide them. Now, Abdullah ibn Abi Salul took Islam as a whole as the most evilest thing in his sight. Islam became his enemy. Anybody who will embrace Islam became an enemy to him. And the greatest enemy he had is Rasulullah because he is the one who has destroyed his ambition of being the king. Okay? So he began to plot and plan. And he began to do things that made life a little bit difficult and tricky sometimes among the companions of Rasulullah. So with that, they became the most dangerous enemy for this new religion and for the community that was built in Medina. And because of this danger, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked a lot about it guiding and teaching Rasulullah about them and how to deal with them and mentioning a lot about them. What did Allah mention about them in the Quran? When you read, you find. Number one, what is their attributes that you can see in them so that you can distinguish between the true believers and themselves? And how are their conditions? Number two, they're plotting and planning and they ridicule to the believers while they think that they know the truth and they can destroy the believers. Number three, the way they have not supported the Prophet in jihad and fighting the evil that he had received while he was just defending himself the Quran described them as people with a disease rather than saying munafiqun initially. All the time Allah is mentioning them to the Prophet you say those who have disease in their heart. 
In another side, then the Quran began to call them by their name, al-munafiqun or the hypocrites. Now, there were two groups. They were not really one group. When you read the Quran, there is one group of them, although they were in Islam, but they were not Muslims. They were imposters. They declared their Islam openly. They are seen among the Muslims, but really in their heart, they are not Muslims. Which is very strange. You see this today among the spies. <laughs> a spy could be living in a community, behaving like them, dressing like them, eating like them, but he is not one of them. The people think he is one, but he is not. So they were like spies, looking for what is happening, what is going. Their hearts are full of rage and anger, wanting a moment to jump and destroy this beautiful religion. On the other side, there were those who were, yes, trying their best to become the Muslims, but their hearts were weak. And their desire for the dunya is huge. So anybody who can come and bribe them, give them, they will go again in that which they believe in and those whom they are supposed to be their brothers among the companions. So these are the two groups. Okay. Number two, you will never find the hadith that is sahih in all the books of hadith that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had described them as his enemy. He never did that. And this is a lesson for us so that we don't destroy the community. Some of the companions were trying to encourage the Prophet this is the hypocrite, Ya Rasulullah, should we kill him? You know what the answer was? Would you like the non-Muslim to see us as killing people who embraced Islam openly? And then they say, Muhammad yaqtul ashabahu. Muhammad kills his companions. I will not do that. Because the mushrikeen know this person embraced Islam. They don't know if he's a hypocrite or not. What they know, they know he's a Muslim. If Muhammad sallam passed a judgment, kill him because he's a hypocrite, they will go out of their way to declare it everywhere. Muhammad sallam is beginning to kill his companions. He said, no, they're not our enemy. Okay? Number two, he never pointed them out and declared war against them. Never. You hear it sometimes today. People will say, let us fight the hypocrites. The Prophet didn't do that. Okay? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, number three, took what the Quran said about them as guidance for himself and his companion of how to avoid their difficulties and how to treat them and to try to help them to come to the right path. I'll give you an example. One of the verses in the Quran says, فَإِيَّتُوبُوا يَكُوا خَيْرًا لَهُمْ فَإِيَّتُوبُوا يَكُوا خَيْرًا لَهُمْ O Muhammad Sallallahu if they repent, it will be better for them. So imagine, here Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the one who is being sent as a mercy to the world, hearing this, would he go out of his way to destroy them? No. He will do his best to bring them to the right path. Because Allah is telling them, if they repent, it's really good for them. 
So Muhammad will be working hard to try to make it clearer for them to get out of this difficulty, to stop the wrong that they are doing. In another verse, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن تعفو عن طائفة منهم نعذب طائفة يا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم Allah is telling him O Muhammad if we forgive a group of them the other group will punish that means there is hope in some of them that they might come back to the right path so we will forgive them but in order for us to forgive them they must come back to the right path. Who will help them to come to the right path? Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, and his companions. So he felt these kind of verses is guiding him, is directing him to help them to come to the right path and do the right thing. So he has never declared them as enemies. He has never stood up to fight them. And he always took them as Muslims who have left the right path by doing that which Displeases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he took the Quran that was revealed about them as guidance for him to train them and bring them back to the right path. The verses of the Quran that were revealed shows one thing that the majority of those who take hypocrisy at that time are people who are noble in their community, who are rich, who had power, nothing else. So Rasulullah knew that there are few, there are not many. And anyone from the common people who embraced what they have or became close to them and had hatred in his heart towards Muhammad and the companions, there were not many. So the Prophet took it easy. He did not create any fitna in Medina by declaring war against them. What did the Quran describe their attributes? This is some of them. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ومن الناس من يقول آمنا بالله وباليوم الآخر وما هم بمؤمنين يخادعون الله والذين آمنوا وما يخدعون إلا أنفسهم وما يجعرون في قلوبهم مرض فتدهم الله مرضا ولهم عذاب أليم. This is Surah Al-Baqarah at the beginning. Allah says and amongst Mankind, there are those who say we believe in Allah. They declare it openly. Everybody can hear it. And we believe in the last day, the day of judgment. However, they are not really true believers. They said it. We can't see their hearts. But Allah knows the heart. Allah says they have no faith in their heart. What is belief? What is iman? Rasulullah put it clearly. He said, Iman is that which Allah put in your heart and can only be proven by your action. It can never be seen by the eye. None of us can see the Iman of somebody. And he said, Iman will increase and decrease by the good actions the people carry out and by the wrongdoing that they do. When you do good, your Iman increases. When you do evil, your Iman will decrease. Simple. So how do you measure the iman of somebody? By the actions that they carry out in their daily routine. Whenever they do good, it's iman. He sallallahu alayhi wa says, if you see somebody regularly attending the five daily prayers in the mosque, be witness he's a believer. 
when you see somebody walking in the street suddenly picking something away from the path of those who are walking rest assured this is a believer when you see somebody helping the destitute the needy when you see somebody caring for the orphan when you see somebody caring for the elders when you see somebody respecting okay and showing respect for those who are older than them this is all signs of faith there are many 70 odds signs of faith you can find in the book al-quran and the other hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam okay allah said wa ma hum although they declare as if they are believers but they are not believers what they said by their tongues cannot be seen in their actions hence they have no iman in their heart they are trying to deceive Allah and those who believe. Do you think they are deceiving Allah? No. Maybe they are deceiving those around them. But Allah put it more clearer. Allah said, However, they are not deceiving none but themselves. What does that mean? It means, although they are thinking that nobody knows their condition, Allah knows their condition. And there are believers who knew, knew their conditions. They could see their signs. And in the day of judgment, all of us will see them and their conditions will be apparent for us to know and understand. Allah said, however, they have no understanding of that. They don't know. They think they're hidden. Like a spy in the community, everybody knows he's a spy, but yet he keeps spying and acting as if he's a good spy. But everybody knows. How could he be a spy? Strange. Allah said, في قلوبهم مرض. Those people, in their heart is a disease. في قلوبهم مرض. They are sick to the core. And because of that which they were doing, فزادهم الله مرض. Allah increased them in their disease. Allah blinded them totally. ولهم عذاب أليم. And in the day of judgment, they will receive a grave punishment. Where? Which part of the hellfire? Allah said, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلَ مِنَ النَّارِ The hypocrites will be in the lowest part of the hellfire. حَطَبُ جَهَنَّمَ Allah said. There will be the call of Jahannam. People like Abu Lahab and Abu Jahal, people like Pharaoh and Haman and Qarun. Imagine all the evil people of the world. The most destructive, the most oppressive, they will be in the lowest part of the hellfire, but yet the hypocrites will be beneath them, will be the call. So may Allah save me and save you from that disease. Okay? Therefore, there's a dua, beautiful dua we should all read. This is from the prescription of Rasulullah Sallam. Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min al kufri wa nifaq wa shiqaq wa su'il akhlaq. Allahumma inni, Allahumma inni, a'udhu bika. من الكفر والنفاق والشقاق وسوء الأخلاق. Beautiful dua. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from rejecting you. This is kufr. When you reject Allah, you are a kafir. Okay? Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from rejecting you, from hypocrisy, and from one who's undeciding where to stand. And I think Rafi, you knew from bad conduct, bad behavior. Because 
the majority of the people of paradise in the day of judgment will be those who have got the best conduct, the best behavior. This is what Rasulullah said in the hadith. Okay? In Akhtar Ahl Jannah, Ahlaqan. Indeed, the majority of the people of heaven in the day of judgment will be the best people in character. Those who have got the best akhlaq. Okay? And Allah said, as well in Surah Al-Baqarah, الرجيم, الدunya, And from mankind, there are those when they speak, their speech is beautiful. You like their speech. They speak well. They speak good. As if they believe in Allah. As if they love Rasulullah As if they love the believers and they will do anything to defend them and stand by them. Okay? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they are the gravest or greatest of enemies to Islam. Everybody, the witness said they have declared their faith, but they are not people of faith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah An-Nisa, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن المنافقين يخادعون الله وهو خادعهم وإذا قاموا إلى الصلاة قاموا كسالا يراؤون الناس ولا يذكرون الله إلا قليلا مذبذبين بين ذلك لا إلى هؤلاء ولا إلى هؤلاء ومن يضلل الله فلن تجد له سبيلا This is absolutely clear to make all of us who are sitting here now and anybody whom we meet we are trying to help and support, avoid hypocrisy by all means. Indeed, Allah said in the Quran, the hypocrites try their best to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never allow them, but for themselves to fail in what they try to do. Their sign, when you see them getting to do their prayer, they are lazy. When are they good in doing their prayer? When people are looking at them. One of them will stand up, looking around, and they saying, look at me, I'm going to pray. When they stand to pray in the public domain, everything is proper. Their recitation is proper. Their posture is right. They prolong their sujood and their rakur, bowing long, prostrating long, taking their time. But when they are not in public, they don't even pray. And if they have to, they will just rush it. They will not give it that care. What did Allah say about that? أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ويل للمصلين الذين هم عن صلاتهم ساهون الذين هم يراءون ويمنعون الماعون وو for the worshippers the people who establish salah ويل للمصلين if it stops there terrible how could Allah will punish those people who pray but Allah there said those who are neglectful of their salah those who will only worship to show those who will only show off However, when it comes to giving, it's not from their heart. They're greedy. They're mean. That is terrible. We need to be very careful to avoid this by all means. Okay? When they get up to pray, they're lazy. They only show 
people when they are in public that they pray and subhanallah they only remember Allah very little dhikr nahi no dhikr there's no dhikr subhanallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala almighty created us to remember him dhikr should be the thing that you do in the majority of your time your tongue should be all the time busy remembering Allah. Your action should always show that you are in the remembrance of Allah. Your adherence to your life in this world, within yourself or with those who are around you, and everything else should be adhering to your remembrance of Allah. But the hypocrites, no. Why? As I recited earlier, they forgot about Allah. Allah then made them forget themselves. So they are indulging in that which is making them hypocrites. They remember Allah very little. It makes me feel surprised. I'm sitting there and I'm going, Subhanallah, 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 Subhanallah. And there is somebody there playing cards or watching television or playing a football game. Somebody comes to me and says to me, Excuse me, what are you doing? I say, I'm remembering Allah. It's And you see that person there smoking shisha. Seriously, which is better? If this is what I'm carrying is bid'ah, but I am saying subhanallah, 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 the television, is it not, isn't it bid'ah? Bid'ah meaning innovation. It's a new thing. There was no television for a time. The television is bid'ah. Somebody is sitting watching television, and in the television he's watching, there is a lot of things that are haram even to look at. Fine. And the person who's coming to give guidance, rather than going to that person, excuse me, that's tahfara, that's haram. Come to me, I'm sitting, subhanallah, subhanallah, brother, this is bid'ah. Does it make sense? Think about it. I want you not just to agree with me, I want you to think, because we as Muslims are not supposed to blindly give decisions, or make decisions, or carry out our living and life by just our whim, or what we decide is right or correct. We follow the truth. The munafiq doesn't like dhikr. Wallah, when a munafiq sees you making dhikr, he gets angry. Once I was sitting like this and carrying myself, I said, Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad, Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad, Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Is that halal or haram? Tell me. It's halal. Allah said, Inna Allahu malaikatu yusalluna ala nabi. Allah and his angels continuously are making salawat for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa I'm doing... Ya amanu. Allah is commanding me and you, if you believe, to make salat for Muhammad sallam. And the hadith says, you can make all your time just salawat, Allah will accept it from you. And if you said, Ya Allah, I'm going to make salawat, but I'm not intending it, Allah will accept it as well. This is hadith sahih. And subhanallah, while I'm doing this, a man came to me and said, Wahid Allah, Sheikh, Wahid Allah. What he means is, yeah, just remember Allah. Astaghfir Allah al I'm saying, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Am I not remembering Allah? Hypocrite. I don't like people like that. I really don't like them. Because they don't like you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, there are people when Allah's name mentioned loudly in their presence, their heart are disgusted. Tashma'idhu qulubuhum lidhikrillah. These are the hypocrites. So when someone tell me that, Oh my God, I'll just do it. La ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha. 
استغفر الله يا شيخ لا اله الا الله لا اله الا الله يا شيخ استغفر الله استغفر الله العظيم some people sometimes I'm saying this because watch the hypocrites can come with the face of deen but wallahi in their heart there is no deen you see them in public openly showing with their appearance that they are religious but inside there is no religion you sit with them for a minute you can destroy them you see but they are cowards they are cowards this way their means is either you accept our way or we're gonna destroy you we're gonna fight you come and fight they can't and we're not here to do that hypocrites okay Allah says they will not remember Allah only little why because they are not sure where they stand in the day they're in the mosque showing people they're praying in the night they're in the bar in the pub in the rave doing the haram stealing cheating deceiving that's not Islam a Muslim have got only one way we need to be careful from doing anything but Allah says whosoever is going astray from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will find no way to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why because Allah has got one way the way of Allah is called as-sirat al-mustaqim Allah said inna hadha sirat ya mustaqiman fattabi'uh indeed this is my path straight follow it who is this sirat who is this sirat what is the sirat it's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because he is the one we follow <laughs> We're not following anybody. I'm not going to follow anybody. I'm not going to listen to nobody. Allah told me in the Quran, قَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, in the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have the best of example to follow. For whom? لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا اللَّهِ For the one who really want to reach Allah, وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَ Or to benefit in the hereafter. If you want Allah, if you want the hereafter and its benefit, follow Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa and the hadith al-Qudsi is clear. Allah will say, subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay? Ya Muhammad, O oh Muhammad, peace be upon you. If they took a path to come to me. Or they opened the door. They opened a door to come to my presence. They will never enter paradise until they come behind you, O Muhammad. If they took a path to come to me, or open a gate or a door to enter into my present, they will never enter paradise, O Muhammad, until they come behind you. So the path is the path of Muhammad. Allah said, Siratullah. Siratullah, Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is the one who is in the straight path. Because Allah has guided him. Allah has initiated him to be the last prophet, the seal of prophets, the messenger, Khatam al-Nabiyyin, wa Imam al-Mursaleen, alayhi abdullah salatu wassalam. He is our prophet. We will follow him. If you don't follow him, you will find no other path. There is no other path but Muhammad sallam. Allah also said, A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Okay? Wa yahlifuna billahi innahum laminkum. وما هم منكم ولكنهم قوم يفرقون they will swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are a part of you 
or Muhammad but they have nothing to do with you. They are people who have got two sides to their life. One side is with you, sitting, claiming to be believers, claiming to be supporters, claiming to be companions. But on the other hand, they are on the other side, disputing what you do, plotting and planning what to do against you. Because their aim is to achieve success in this world. They have no understanding. Why? In their heart, there is a disease. Okay? Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إذا جاءك المنافقون قالوا نشهد إنك لرسول الله والله يعلم إنك لرسوله والله يشهد إن المنافقون لكاذبون صدق الله العظيم يا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم when the hypocrites come to you they say openly we they bear witness that you are the messenger of Allah Allah said I know you are my messenger I know, oh Muhammad, you are my messenger. Okay? And I am a witness that what they say is not the truth. They are liars. Because Allah can see into their hearts. Allah does not look at your shapes and figures. Allah looks into your heart. I can see your bodies, but I can't see your hearts. But Allah can. So because Allah knows the hearts, Allah knows that they are hypocrites. They are liars. Okay? Now, to finish with, what did they do to destroy or try to destroy Muhammad and his message and to stop it? Because the Meccan people tried everything and they failed. They even went to Abyssinia to bring them back and destroy them, but they failed. They came to Mecca and plotted to stand in front of the Prophet and all the tribe will share killing him. So the blood of Muhammad will be spread upon among the tribes. They failed. They rushed after him and paid somebody hundreds of camel. They failed. And the man they sent embraced Islam. So what can they do? They went, tried everything with the hypocrisy in Medina and they failed. Okay, what did they do? Okay. Now, one of the things that they did which was strange, and the Quran mentioned it, that when, subhanallah, they have a problem, although they are Muslims, to show that they are not with Muhammad, they will come and sit with him and they will say to him, Look, this dispute that is happening between us, we feel we need somebody wiser. Somebody maybe more older, aware. And there was a Jewish man in Medina who was known for his hatred and animosity to Rasulullah Openly. One of their leaders, they will go to him. And they will ask him, could you please get me to us? Allah said it clearly in the Quran. They leave the truth and the guidance that we sent with Muhammad Sallallahu to go and ask somebody who is going against the truth. If they are really Muslim, will they go there? They shouldn't be going there. So this is one of the very things they were doing openly to show the others that we are free. Yes, we are Muslim, but we could do whatever we like. No, you can't. There are boundaries. You hear this today as well. We need to be very careful how we do things. 
Okay? They used to come to the Prophet وسلم, showing need and poverty and they want to be helped and supported so that they can get wealth from him, from zakah, money. Thinking that the Prophet didn't know their condition. But the Prophet knew their condition. How can somebody who truly believes in Allah come to try to deceive, to take the wealth of those people who are less fortunate? Zakah is not for everybody. Sadaqah is not for everybody. Allah said in the Quran, A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitan Rajim, Indeed, the charities that we collect in charity in general, or specifically in zakah, okay, that which we pay annually, it's for those people who are poor, those who, people who are ne- in need, those who are in debt, those who are traveling, those who are fisabilillah, those who are fighting for the sake of Allah, and so on. Allah mentioned eight different categories. If you are one of those, you have a right. You get a share. But if you are not one of them, how could you come and cheat or deceive to say you are in need? What does it mean? It means you are depriving those who really need. And you are gaining that which is not yours. Which is a choice that no believer will do. One of their ways of doing evil, they used to laugh at the believers. And they used to laugh at Rasulullah and mock him. Not in his face, but behind him. That's why Allah said in the Quran, in the day of judgment, the believers will have the last laugh. Today, the day of judgment, the believers will have the last laugh when they look at those people whom they used to laugh at them. Okay? They used to have secret meetings. Not really to discuss good things and how to go out helping those who are in need or do good things in Medina or try to find solutions for problems within the community. No, 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 no. That's not their aim. They used to meet secretly to plot and plan how to go about destroying those whom they think supporting Muhammad Sallallahu and giving him that energy to become the powerful man he was, Ali Abdul Salat Wasallam. Okay. And the worst thing, they used to make fun of the Quran. They didn't take the Quran seriously. Allah said in the Quran, The verses of the Quran that were revealed, they used to recite them, but they mock Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam in reciting them. Not in front of him, but behind him. When you see them, you think they are true believers. When you see them, they are smart. When they speak, they were eloquent. When they are standing before him, they were humble. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the moment they leave him, they were exactly the total opposite to what they were with him when they are standing before him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the condition of those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called the hypocrites or al-munafiqoon. This is their status while they're in Medina. They were the most dangerous element in the da'wah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What do we learn from this? In the seerah when we read it, and there is a lot, I'm just speaking of the minimum. When you read the seerah, some of the books they write a lot. 
If you just read the commentary of the verses of the Quran about hypocrisy and the hypocrite, there are too many. There are books written. But this is just a little bit. There are three lessons why I'm relating it in the theorem. Number one, to know the disease of hypocrisy and what dangers the Prophet ﷺ faced from the hypocrites when they were with him. Number two, to understand the signs of the hypocrites and to try by all means to fight our own egos, desires, so that we will never have any sign of hypocrisy in our life. For indeed, the worst humans are the hypocrites. The believer is a believer. The kafir is a kafir. This one with light, this one in darkness. This one knows, this one doesn't know. This one is knowledgeable, this one is ignorant. This one is in the right path, this one is in error. Fine, they chose. For you is your religion and for me is mine. Clear. But the hypocrite, he is neither here nor here. In one hand, he is carrying the Quran. In another hand, he is carrying the word of kufr. Again, it's the Quran. To which one? So we need to be absolutely clear that we understand the sign and remove ourselves from them. Number three, knowing about this disease and avoiding all that which will make us not hypocrite is okay. But doing that which will make us surely not hypocrite is more important. If Rasulullah said, the signs of the hypocrites are four, and the Quran gives us few signs, I'll just say them and finish. If a hypocrite lies, I should never lie. I should speak the truth. If Muhammad Sallam is my guide, what was his attribute? A sadiq, the truthful. I should be truthful. If the hypocrite cannot be trusted, and the Prophet said, indeed the one who cannot be trusted had no iman, no faith, what's the attribute of Muhammad Sallam? Al-Ameen, the trustworthy. I must try my best to be trustworthy. I must make everyone trust me in what I say. If a hypocrite breaks his promise, and we know that Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam never break a promise. Never. In fact, once upon a time, a man promised to meet him in a place. Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam was waiting for three days in the same place. Sayyidina Ismail alayhi salam, in the Quran Allah said, Sadiq al-Wa'di. He described him as the one who fulfilled his promise. The scholars when in the tafsir, they said, he was promising somebody to meet him in a place, he waited for 22 days in the same place. When the people come and say, why are you waiting? I'm waiting for him. But go and find him, look for him, or wait for him. When he said to him, I went, he didn't come. He said, no, I promised to wait for him. 22 days. Now you go to the station, somebody said, I'm coming at 8. Well, I'm giving him 2 minutes. <laughs> 1, 2, three, I'm going. Maybe suddenly he's in the escalator being delayed. Maybe the elevator is not working. Wait! Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam waited 3 days. And the companion said to me, Ya Rasulullah, take it easy on yourself. I said, no. He might be in his way. He come not to find me. So try your best when you make a promise with somebody to try to fulfill it. And number four, when you sign an agreement, don't stab the person whom you agreed with in the back. There are many agreements we make. 
many agreements, but the biggest agreement we make with Allah. We all sign an agreement with him, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. This is a contract. Don't go against yourself. By doing that, which will deny you the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by going against what you have promised Allah. You promised him that there is none worthy to be worshipped but him. Are you sure you are only worshipping him? Or are you worshipping your own self? How? Many of us worship ourselves by saying there is none in this world but me. By always wanting to be praised. By always praising ourselves. By always pointing out the best qualities we have. Hypocrisy. This is not right. Should be absolutely careful. Or by worshipping the dollar. The yen. The brown British sterling. Okay? We love these things. <laughs> be careful. Seriously. Be very, very careful. There are some people who worship money. There are people who worship games. In this country, some people worship football. I was sitting in a train coming from Manchester once. There was, a, I think, a game there in Manchester. And I'm sitting, reading or writing a talk I'm going to give the next day when I come to London. I was in Manchester University, I think. And these people were talking. There is a 13-year-old boy. I heard this talking to his father. And there is a man sitting with him. And the father says to the other man, and how long have you been supporting? I think it was Tottenham. Tottenham. He said, oh, for many years, he said to him, Alhamdulillah, I am so grateful that my father brought me up to love Tottenham. <laughs> and one of the best things that I thank Allah for, was saying God, but Allah to me, uh, that I had never missed a match. <laughs> and in fact, once upon a time, there was a match somewhere in an island in Europe, in the Mediterranean, I don't know which island, and it was very difficult to get there. But it was so good, my dad made sure I was there. And I'm always buying the annual seasonal ticket. And this is my son, and he's 13 years old. And the boy turned around, and the man asked him, are you also? He said, yes. I thank my dad. <laughs> I was not. I had never missed a match. We travel everywhere. The one in the ground in London, I always watch it, because we have got seasonal ticket. But wherever it is, my father will always buy me a ticket and take me with him. I always he said, what about if there is a school? And he said, oh, the team come first. Imagine if this is Allah. <laughs> if, I, if, if this is true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, putting everything, okay, beside Allah to your left-hand side or right-hand side and just going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I said, what a believer this is. This man, his father made him that way. And he's making sure his son. So don't worship these things. Some people worship cricket. Some people worship football. Some people worship television. Some people worship music. Some people have got idols. And they call them idols in music and football. Have you seen people running to us for a signature, take a photograph? What will happen if Muhammad Sallam walked? Please, let us move away from hypocrisy. I'll finish by telling you a small story. Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam is the noblest man to walk on this earth. The greatest human being Allah has created. The highest ranking creature before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only one to be allowed to go to the heavens, to reach a place no other man 
no other angel, no other creature had ever reached. فكان قب قوسين أو أدنى. Allah said in the Quran, he was close to Allah, maybe two bows length or even closer to that. Don't think about it in a physical term, because Allah is not physical. But this great man, we, the human being who are so weak, as Allah said in the Quran, الإنسان ضعيفة. Man is created so weak, can still link ourselves with him. Can meet him, sallallahu alayhi wa in our dream or in this life while we are sitting alive like this. While we are awake or asleep. And the greatest gift when Allah allow you to see Muhammad sallallahu Subhanallah. By Allah's permission, any one of us can see him. And the greatest gift when you see him happy with you, when he embraces you, when he talks to you, when he takes you by hand to make tawaf or umrah or to take you inside the Kaaba or to see yourself sitting with him in his masjid, all these things are beautiful. However, there are simple things. If we do, we cannot see him. <laughs> he, sallallahu dislike bad smell. If we are surrounded by bad smell, no. Those who smoke, if I'm in your place, you should never smoke. He doesn't like it. Those who do not care about their smell, no, no. Always. He always carried a teen, a bakhur. He will always have, okay, atr. He will always be clean, sharp. He will always smell beautiful. When he touched a child by his hand, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, everybody will know this child was touched by Muhammad sallallahu from the smell of Muhammad sallallahu If he passed in a road, and you come later, an hour or two later, you know Muhammad sallallahu passed in this road. Somebody asks you, how did you notice it? He's smelling it in the road. When you look at him, you would love him. When you sit with him, you would not like to leave him. He is that kind of person. So you need to do everything to make sure that he is in your life. So this man, who was a very good man, in a very good job, very supportive, very religious, used to be a student of my Sheikh, Rahmatullah Ali Sheikh Sayyid Muhammad al Fatih Qaribullah, who died in 1986. Very good man. And this man used to love him, love the Sheikh so much. He's an elderly man. And once he narrated this story to the Sheikh and says, on Thursday night, the Sheikh does a gathering like this and then they do zikr. Hundreds of people. And then he went, like normal. He makes a lot of zikr and he slept. And he saw a beautiful gathering. Everybody is dressed in white. And there's a beautiful tent. And a gathering inside of good people. And he was outside the tent standing, dressed in white himself. He's feeling good. And suddenly, from a distance, he could feel this gathering is because the Prophet is coming. So he turned to look, and the Prophet was coming, smiling. And when he came closer, he was opening his hand like this to embrace somebody. So he felt it is him. He went to embrace him. The Prophet just went down and went under his arm. When he turned back, he embraced somebody else. And he woke up. He was saying this and he was crying. Why didn't he embrace me? You know what the sheikh said to him? Stop smoking. <laughs> Nothing else. Stop smoking. Because the Prophet doesn't like the smell of smoke. So, like so this is simple. Let us clean our hearts. Let us clean our physical bodies. Let us move away. All the things that he dislikes, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, read about them. And then, 
you realize Muhammad can be in your life. May Allah allow me and allow you to be united with him in this world before the hereafter. For he sallallahu alayhi Whosoever will see me in his dream indeed has seen me for shaitan will never be me. Or come in the dream to say I am Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Whosoever sees me in his dream will see me while he's awake. May Allah allow us to have that, inshallah. May Allah fulfill this for us and give us success and tawfiq for the dunya wal akhirah. Inshallah, we will read our salawat for Muhammad. These salawat we read are really good. Please, okay, read them. Because the more salah you do for Rasulullah, the more closer you come to Rasulullah. A man came to him and asked him, Ya Rasulullah, okay, shall I make? A quarter of my time, okay, when I make dhikr to make salawat for you, he said, if you do, it's good for you. He went out and came back. Ya Rasulullah, if I make 50% of my time of dhikr, just salawat for you, he said, it will be even better for you. When he went out and came back, he said, three quarters of a time, he said, indeed, it will benefit you. When he went out and came back again, he said, Ya Rasulullah, what about if I make all the time of dhikr, just salawat for you? He said, then. I will take good care of you. The meaning of the hadith. In the day of judgment, that means I will take you by the hand to paradise. I'll give you intercession, inshallah. Yes, my brother? Um, you know what you mentioned about the uh, treatment of the prophets towards the... Uh, Hypocrites, yeah. That, uh, he did actually not, uh, if you like, take a, a step towards them. Yeah. Yes. And um, also, if, you, if one looks back at the, you know, at the Khulafa that, that came after that, that they all had, it's, it's either they take the, the, the action of. Wa alaykum salam, salam, mashallah, naam. of not doing anything, of not actually um, you know, getting involved with it, mm. they take the, that of the Abu Bakr of actually getting involved with it. So the question here is, is it for the Khalifa or for the Amir to look at the situation and take a, what he feels is a, is a reasonable solution um, for that moment? I think what you are asking is a very beautiful yani, thing. Indeed, Rasulullah in his lifetime, when you read the seerah, you will see clearly, he never... And even you read the hadith, he never said anything. And in fact, he was questioned many times in his life, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, by Umar ibn Khattab, why do you do this? Ya Rasulullah, why don't you stand against them? Because they could see what they are doing, but the Prophet said no. Now he had a wisdom, and it worked. It worked in the sense that many of them, their children became good, just like when he went to Taif. Many of them. Their children became some of the best Muslims. Today, when you go to Saudi Arabia, many of them are the descendants of these people. Many of them are righteous people. However, when Abu Bakr Siddiq was taking the reign and governing the new state, in his time now it is becoming a state, okay? Because the Prophet just built it and he passed away, rahmatullah He has returned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now think about it. For a new Khalifa, a new man who is not a prophet, 
a new man who has just learned from the Prophet ﷺ in this short time what to be done in the 10 years in Mecca. And most of it he spent okay, doing his own thing to support his family and doing his business. It's very hard. So he had to make decisions. And the decision he made, I'm telling you, he would not have made them just lightly. Because otherwise everything would be destroyed. However, when Umar came and made decision, it was harder. What happened to Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab? He was killed. When Uthman came, it became even harder. While he's reading his Quran, he was killed. When it came to Ali ibn Abi Talib, it didn't stop there. There was fighting between the companions. And he was killed. When it came to Hassan, he gave it up. He said to Muayyah, you can take it. What happened to him? He was poisoned. When it came to Hussein, look what happened. And so on. It is... You go back and all the khulafa until you come people like Umar ibn Abdul Aziz and Harun al-Rashid. Things began to, this is a test. Our example for us, if Allah gives us the tawfiq, just to rule our own self, we look at the Prophet Because Allah says so. When we are in a position of leadership, then we can look at all the examples. But always, if you can find the solution with what the Prophet did, carry that one. For me personally, living in this day and age, I just look at his example. Because I feel we need to be very careful. Otherwise it becomes big fitna. And the Muslim today, it makes me feel sad. Really feel sad. We are, we are, we are fighting amongst ourselves about things that doesn't need to have fighting. Forget about the dunya. If we are fighting for power, leadership, if we are fighting for wealth, that is dunya thing. But in the deen, there shouldn't be. If I see you as a Muslim praying your five daily prayers, standing upright, striving for your family, and even if you are doing something that are not right or correct, I will do my best to correct you. But if I can't, I can't because the Prophet taught me already that if you can change it with your hand, not to abuse, but to correct it, do. But if you can't, with your tongue. If you can't, with your heart. <laughs> what does that mean? Make dua. And I believe today that's the best way. You see the wrong, you, you pray for the people. You ask Allah to guide them. But not to create fitna. Because wallahi, all these things bring troubles. We have got big fitna, my brother. Big fitna. The ummah is passing through the most difficult time ever. We have everything materially and we are the weakest in the world. Weakest. Do you realize that? Almost 40%, maybe 35% of the oil of the world just go from the Gulf state and Saudi Arabia. When you took all the Muslim countries together, maybe almost 75% of the oil of the world go from there. And this is the richest thing to have. We've got fertile land, We've got clever people. We've got mind that can do anything. But look at what we are doing. Because there's no iman. Allah said, فَلَا تَنَازَعُوا فَتَفْشَلُوا وَيَذْهَبُوا رِيحُكُمْ Do not dispute with one another. Fight one another. Then you fail. And then the iman that you have in your heart will be taken away. Look, you open the television, what do you see? Guess Muslim killing Muslim. Fighting. For what? Very sad, Wallahi. Very sad. Very sad. So we pray Allah make it easy.